When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome everyone to Breaking Big Blue. I'm your host, Jordan Ronan, ESPN, ESPN.com, Giants reporter. And we're sitting here 10 games into the season, right? We have to be realistic about where they are. 10 games into the season, and nobody, we don't, you don't even want to hear about what happened on Sunday or what's going to happen this Sunday when the Giants play the Commanders, right? That's, that's where we are with this season. The Giants are 2-8, and eight, awful loss last week in Dallas. Not in that anybody expected them to win. But, man, they were just blown off the field. Blown off the field. Embarrassed. You know, a bunch of players said it after the game. They used the word embarrassed. There's really no way around it. Now, we have a bunch of things to talk about. Tommy DeVito's still the starting quarterback. I'll get to the Tommy DeVito story about living home later, which I think... Yeah, you'll be interested in. But he's still their quarterback in part because what are their options right now? They want to at least take a look at Tommy DeVito, which to me makes sense, rather than Matt Barkley. Like, do we really want to see Matt Barkley? And Matt Barkley, by the way, when you see him, you'll notice is not in great shape. It doesn't look like Matt Barkley was really fully preparing and ready to play football. I think that's probably a fair assumption this year, uh, at least when the Giants called him. And anyway, like, what's playing Matt Barkley going to do? The Giants were losing games, by the way, with Tyrod Taylor, and Daniel Jones is their quarterback. So, like, what's the difference between Matt Barkley and at least, at least here in this situation? You take a look at Tommy DeVito. Let's see what this kid has. Undrafted rookie. You know, throws the ball decent. Processing is definitely something he's struggling with so far. He's a young quarterback. I'm sure everything's just moving really fast for him. He's gotten a little bit better in the second half of the Raiders game, in the second half of the Cowboys game. Said it slowed down for him starting in the second half of that Raiders game. So, I don't know. Let's see what he could do these next two weeks against the Commanders and then the Patriots. But if they don't win against the Commander and the Patriots, I think it's fair to now wonder, are they going to win another game this year? Which I'm sure a lot of you want, because, right? I mean, that's all you see now. Tank, tank, tank. Tank, tank, tank. It's the new invoke word and the new invoke term. I mean, I don't even think people really understand what it means to tank. Tank means intentionally trying to lose. Not where if the Giants played or like slow play Tyrod Taylor coming back, that's not intentionally trying to lose. That's not giving yourself the best chance to win. To me, there's a difference. But anyway, I get it. You want Caleb Williams, you want Drake May, you want the top two picks. The Giants are now, by the way, in FPI, which is our ESPN analytics. Basically, they do a projection on the season. The Giants are the favorite to get the number one pick. The favorite. Carolina, one game worse at the moment. They're the team that you kind of have to keep an eye on. Arizona was in the mix. They got Kyler Murray back. They won this past week. So you assume they're going to win some games. Now, I do assume the Giants are going to win another game also. These next two weeks are an opportunity, Commanders, New England, and then when Tyrod Taylor comes back, likely after the bye week. I know you're like, no, 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 don't bring Tyrod Taylor back. Don't. We don't need him. We don't want him coming back. And I get it. 
I get it. For the future of the Giants franchise, it's probably best for you not to bring Tyrod Taylor back. But they also can't just not bring Tyrod Taylor back. He's been throwing, by the way. He's been running. So the likelihood he's back either the week after the bye or a game or two after that. So there's five games left in the season after the bye week. The Giants have these two games upcoming, the bye week, then Monday night against Green Bay. Now, they don't want to get embarrassed on national TV again. And trust me, it matters to Giants ownership. I think they, they like getting their teeth kicked in on a normal basis. Well, multiply that by 10 when you think about John Mara watching the game and getting upset about seeing his team get blown out and be non-competitive. By the way, when I first got on a beat, John Mara used to sit in the press box and you could visibly see steam coming off his head, him banging the table left and right, like consistently. So he's like he's like you watching the game, you know, yelling, screaming. I'm sure if we if, if we weren't around in the press box, yelling, screaming, you know, banging his fists. That's what John Maris during a game. So you don't think that getting blown out on national TV in a primetime game, which they have on multiple occasions already this year, is something they're trying to avoid. And then you look at the locker room and just Saquon Barkley is out there right now. He's playing. You're giving him a huge workload. He's friendly with Tyrod Taylor. You're all of a sudden not going to bring back Tyrod Taylor if he, he he's ready to come back from an injury. Had a rib injury. Presumably broke some ribs or, or multiple ribs or a rib. I don't. We don't know the exact details. But I do know he's throwing and he's running. So he's feeling good. He's getting close. You have to assume, I mean, we've seen quarterbacks play plenty of times with, you know, broken ribs. I mean, this is going to be what? seven weeks, six, seven weeks after the injury happened. And then if you don't bring him back, then a guy like Saquon Barkley and Dexter Lawrence, they're going to be sitting there going like, what? I'm playing. We're not, we're not bringing this guy back so I can get embarrassed on national TV again. Brian Dable, if that happened, would then lose probably the whole entire locker room. Like, that's a tough thing to do. So expect Tyrod Taylor to come back. I know you want tank, tank, tank. Tank, tank, tank. Tyrod's going to come back. And same with Saquon Barkley. Like he's, th- this guy is dealing, his ankle is not right. You could see that. He basically just fell on his own feet if you were still watching in the second half of that Dallas game. He admitted the high ankle sprain he suffered early in the season is going to affect him through the end of the season. He's still going out there and playing. They're going to have to drag him off the field. Now, I think we're going to get to a point where for Saquon, they're going to have to say, is it, is it counterproductive for you to keep playing at this point if his ankle's still bothering him in three, four weeks, especially after the bye? But he's a free agent at the end of the season. You know, he thinks that these stats, the numbers that he puts up, showing that he's still playing at a high level, showing that he's willing to go out there and play through pain, and, you know, the missed games through injury is definitely a thing on his resume. That bothers him maybe more than anything. Injury prone. Say he's injury prone. Go up to his face, tell him he's injury prone. You'll see him get pissed off. Guarantee it. So staying on the field matters to him. They're not just going to shut him down. That also gives him a better chance to win, right? Saquon Barkley's on the field. Tyrod Taylor's on the field. So the Giants are going to win another game or two. Is it too much? I mean, they'll naturally lose plenty on their own and be in the running for those top picks. Is it going to be enough? I don't know. Do eventually you have to shut down Saquon? It's just something they'll have to think about, but not for the tank purposes, for his own health. And Tyrod Taylor, like I said, meanwhile, I think he's coming back. So that's where the Giants stand, heading into Washington, 2-8, and eight, 
Drake May, Caleb Williams, that's all you hear about. And look, it makes sense. Now, is Daniel Jones going to be on the roster? Almost certainly. $35.5 million guaranteed for next year. But that's not going to preclude the Giants from being in that quarterback mix if they draft one or two. Now, if they draft three, four, five, it might be different. Now, can they trade up and get one of those two guys? Like if the – if uh, I name a team. The, the Cardinals want to stick with Kyler Murray and they're in the top two pick. Maybe they trade out. Uh, the Panthers don't have that pick. The Bears probably going to move on from Justin Field. So, like, who are the others? Most of the other teams, New England. These teams all need quarterbacks. So, if the Giants end up with the three pick, you know, ending up with Marvin Harrison Jr. from Ohio State, giving them a number one receiver is clearly going to be on the table. But getting in that one-two mix with the questions you have health-wise about Daniel Jones, go listen to last week's episode. You know, I basically resigned as the conductor retired as the conductor because you you would be silly and foolish to build your team around a quarterback who has now had two neck injuries and is coming off a torn ACL. And that's on top of the, you could still have, we still have some questions about what he is. Like, is he a high-end quarterback? Like I've always said, he's around the top 10 quarterback, but you don't even, it's not even like, okay, he's a slam dunk top five quarterback with all these injury things. No, he's like a questionable top 10 quarterback with this injury history. So, yeah, of course they're going to look into drafting a quarterback, Caleb Williams or Drake May, if they're up there. And I've heard positives about both of them to the point where Drake May could be in the running for the number one overall pick. It's not like a slam dunk that Caleb Williams is better than him. I've spoken to people who have told me, like, they, they're probably going to have Drake May ranked above Caleb Williams. So those people are out there. It's not going to be completely unheard of. Like, that's part of the reality of what this draft is going to be. These are both big-time prospects. How big? We'll get more into that as we move forward here. But in the meantime, on to the next one. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. All right, we're going to make this a quick episode. I'm not sure if you could tell, but my voice is struggling here this week. I feel like I'm coming down with a little, some, some sort of cold. So I've been trying to fight it, but uh, we're powering through. And also, there's eight weeks left in the season right now. Eight weeks. Eight weeks left in the season. And the Giants are in the position they're in. They're 2-8. and eight. They're not going to the playoffs. Their season's over. It's basically an evaluation period now. An extended evaluation period. 
And all you want to know is where they're going to draft, who they're going to draft, who they're going to sign, who they're going to cut, who they're going to keep, who they're going to get rid of. And I get it. We have seven more weeks after this to cover all those bases. And trust me, we will. We'll touch them all. Every piece of it. We'll go over it. But we have plenty of time. This is we're we're basically a drop past the midway point, right? Eight and a half games is the midway point of the season, 17-game season. But it's actually 18 weeks. So we're in week, what, 11? Week 9 is, the, after week 9 is the midway point in the season. So we're not far past the midway point in the season, and this is where we're at. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to finish here with a quick Jordan on the beat. Actually, maybe not so quick. We got, we got a bunch to touch on here. Jordan on the beat is where I tell you what it's like to cover the Giants, work for ESPN, or cover the NFL in general. Now, what I'm going to talk about here is player maintenance in a way. Source maintenance, somewhat. Because this is the thing. You have to write stuff. You have to report stuff as a reporter. And it's not always going to be favorable to the player. So part of the job is to maintain those relationships, even in these times when you have to write stuff. You have to be critical of people. You have to report stuff that's not exactly uh, favorable to them. So let's take the Xavier McKinney situation to start, okay? So when Xavier McKinney popped off two weeks ago after that Oakland game, said, you know, he doesn't think that they're being heard, the leaders are their, their voices are kind of being lost, that was exclusively to me. I was kind of the only one. I was the only one there at the time, interviewing him in the locker room. They asked him a completely separate question, and he kind of went off on that. Now, my job as a reporter is to report that. He said it on the record. I literally had a microphone in front of his face. I can't just ignore that that happened. That would be unethical for me to just ignore that, right? Like, that happened. He's upset. My job is to report that. Now, the flip side is, yeah, I still have to maintain that relationship, too. So Xavier McKinney didn't get a chance to talk to him last week. He wasn't around much. He's not really, didn't want to talk. He said he's done talking to the media. He did it because he's kind of, you're obligated to, which, by the way, you're obligated to after games as well. We'll touch on that for a second a little bit later. But so my job is to then go up to Xavier McKinney, make sure he's not mad at me. If he is, talk it out. Really just have a conversation with him. Sort of make sure we're good. So I've done that. We're good. And he's a professional about it. He understands how this works. And he said to me, look, you're just, you were just doing your job. I'm not mad at you at all. Like you, you do what you have to do. Like, that's your job. And he's right. Now, in a way, I do feel some I, regrets, not the right word, but I do feel bad that, you know, all this has fallen on his head as a result. And I was sort of the conduit. I'm the middleman. Now it's not my, I know I'm not, I don't think it's my fault. It's not. He's the one who said it. He owns what he says. And that's why I appreciate him. So had to go do that this week. Then now we're talking about the case of Tommy DeVito. I wrote a story this weekend about Tommy DeVito living at home. I thought it was a fun, cool story because it's, it's so rare. How many people live at home? Now, we live in an era where things just take off, right? And it's an easy thing to pick at. Because, look, think about it. If you're Tommy DeVito, living at home makes perfect sense. You're talking about a guy who was undrafted. He doesn't know he's going to be on the team. He doesn't know he's going to be on the roster. So why would he go spend money when he lives nine miles from the facility? He has a house to live at. You know, he has parents to help him out with stuff, to take care of stuff, you know, while so he can concentrate on football. But, you know, the story takes on a life of its own and turns into, 
you know, jokes left and right. And like Bleacher Report, man, the boy did they do him dirty. I mean, they pulled out the line out of that big quote, you know, that basically said, I, you know, I live in my home at home. I, so my parents could take care of all the stuff and I could just concentrate on football. You know, there's food on the table for me when I get home, chicken cutlets. I love that chicken cutlet line. Uh, my mom makes my bed. At one point, he even said it didn't make it in this quote, but it was a separate quote earlier. He said, you know, his mom, that they, you know, his laundry's taken care of. So he's basically just saying all these things are done for him. He doesn't have to worry about them and he could concentrate on football. Bleacher Report pulls out the quote, says, and they just plastered it all over social media. It says, Tommy DeVito, my mom makes my bed. The New York Giants quarterback on living at home. Like my, that's dirty. Now I get it. I wrote the story again. He's getting crushed. The, there's this media swirl around him uh, for living at home. All these jokes. I'm sure he sees it. He does see it. I know he sees it. He's he. I talked to him about it. But Ann, I have to go massage that. Make sure he's not mad at me. You know, make it clear to him. Look, my intentions weren't to embarrass you like that. I, I thought it was a fun, cool story. How many guys do get to live at home? Jalen Petrie, I know, did. Uh, safety for the Texans. Philip Lindsay, I know, did undrafted rookie with the Broncos several years back. Lived at home in his basement. We wrote stories on that at ESPN. They were well received. I did the same for Tommy DeVito. Hey, he's living at home. Cool story. Starting gi- quarterback for the Giants. Living at home. And kind of took on a life of its own. My tweet actually had 7.2 million impressions. Might be my biggest tweet ever, which is crazy to think about. It's about the Giants quarterback living at home, which is a cool story, but clearly not the biggest story I've reported or done. And then I want to finish on, actually, you know what? We'll touch on two more things. We'll touch on Dexter Lawrence real quick. He didn't talk after the game. He thought it was ridiculous that he was kind of called out afterwards. Now, that's not a battle you want to fight publicly with players because you're never going to win that. Public doesn't really understand the whole media player relationship and the reality is you're obligated to talk it's a rule it's an NFL rule you need to talk after games and he used the reasoning uh you know my family was there was my birthday like his job requirement is to talk on his birthday I mean it's to talk after games if you have a job responsibility do you are you just able to be tell your boss you know what you know nah 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 not not today it's my birthday and my family's here I'm just gonna not do it you know, you have work to do. Not, no, like that's part of his job. You got to do it. Now, the only time I will say that when guys don't talk, it kind of gets like, but when you're like, when you're injured, when you suffer an, a serious injury, fairly serious injury, Daniel Jones didn't talk if he was injured after he was injured. Uh, Saquon Barkley didn't talk after he was injured. But imagine Saquon Barkley or Daniel Jones just being like, yeah, it's my birthday. I'm just going to pass. We lost by, what was it, 49 to 17. We lost by 32 points now. We let up six, 560 plus yards. No, no, I'm just going to pass on talking. Imagine if Daniel Jones did that. Can you imagine what that would be like in this market if Daniel Jones did that? So I'm against it. I I think you, you got to talk. You just talk. You give two minutes. You say, I got to do this real quick, guys. Boom, you get it out of the way. So that's that. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. 
You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. The other one I want to talk on real quick, it's a big topic right now, It's Carissa Thompson. He is, she is the, she's actually the host of the Amazon, I believe, pre and post game show. And she used to be a sideline reporter, I believe, at Fox and maybe other places as well. She basically said, I'm paraphrasing here and part of my take, that she made up some sideline reports when, the, when she couldn't get the coach or the coach wasn't available, whatever. And let me just tell you, from a reporter perspective, how ridiculous that sounds. Because forget everything else the idea of making stuff up as a journalist or like as what our jobs are supposed to be just flat out making it up is the cardinal sin you just can't do that first of all to me it it's a lack of morals and self-respect like if you're gonna do that what won't you lie about right i mean you're just gonna make up quotes make up reports so as a journalist as a reporter that's like rule number one to me for my own self-respect i would never ever have never ever just made up a quote or made up a report now i've been told incorrect things that's happened i've made mistakes i've worded things poorly but intentionally making stuff up the cardinal sin and what that does right now i mean people already don't uh you know don't fully respect sideline reporters now she just made the the job a complete joke like how is anybody going to look at a sideline reporter now and not think that, hey, they might just be making it up? She did a total disservice to anybody doing that job, especially women who fight the the narrative and perception and stereotype. Oh, that oh, that's a dumb blonde just sitting there and that she got hired because she looks good to do a sideline report or whatever it may be. But the sideline reporter just took a big hit and really journalists in general. Because if you're just going to admit that you made stuff up and you basically worked your way up the totem pole, man, that's not a good look for journalists in general. Sideline reporters, women sideline reporters in particular. She really set them back big time. So I'm, as a journalist, I'm totally, totally, 100%, unequivocally against that anytime, no matter the circumstance. Talk about something else. You don't have to make up the co- that the coach said something that they didn't. Talk about what you see. Use your eyes. Report. Don't make stuff up. Ever. It's unacceptable. Unacceptable. Let's end on that. You listen to Breaking Big Blue. I'm Jordan Ronan. See you next time. <laughs>